1: Hello tech fans and welcome in to episode 113 of the Tech Sideline podcast recording from TSL's high-tech studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. Whether you're watching live on Facebook, archived on YouTube, whether you're listening on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, However you consume the Tech Sideline podcast, we are so glad that you could join us today recording on Wednesday morning, January 29th. And we've got a fun podcast planned for you today. We're going to break down Virginia Tech's loss in Coral Gables on Tuesday night. The Hokies fall to Miami 71-61. to We'll get Chris Coleman's thoughts on the loss for Virginia Tech. The Hokies drop to 5-5 and in ACC play. We'll talk a little bit more about basketball and then our fun discussion of the day is student engagement in college athletics, specifically here at Virginia Tech. We're going to talk about the North End Zone and the student section in football, as well as Castle Coliseum and students staying for the majority of the game. Uh, why is that? We're going to get Chris's thoughts on that. And then towards the end of the show, we're going to have more time than usual to get to your questions on Facebook Live. So start dropping those now. The best producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart, is here behind the scenes taking your questions on Facebook Live. On the podcast set, for those watching, you'll recognize a little bit of uh, shifting around on the podcast set. Will is unfortunately not here today. We miss him. Our general manager and founder is in Richmond today on business. So So we've got our managing editor, Chris Coleman. I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. Again, we're so glad you could join us today on Wednesday, January 29th for Episode 113 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. A reminder that this week and every week, the Tech Sideline Podcast is brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. From their office in Blacksburg, they are able to serve the entire Commonwealth of Virginia. Whether you are charged with driving under the influence or speeding, the Fisher Law Firm realizes that each case is important to the client. To date, the firm has defended more than 30,000 people. It's a lot of people charged with a moving violation. For a free consultation, call any time, day or evening, toll free at 1-800-680-7031. Again, that's 1-800-680-7031. Or you can email them at info at com. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Oh... a little tired. A little tired. Ty- what time yeah. did you go to bed last night? Did you have to stay up to get the quotes? Uh, yeah, wh-
0: I forget the exact time the quotes got emailed to us, but I probably went to bed around 1 a.m.
1: When do you have your, for those that read your recap articles, oh, I, uh, how quickly do you have that done?
0: The, the recap itself without the quotes, generally fairly quickly. Like, I, I can write up, write up the opening paragraph and maybe the second paragraph and then the closing paragraph. Right. And then I wait for the box score, an accurate box score with play-by-play to show up on Hokey Sports, which can take anywhere from you know, 30 minutes to an hour and a half, depending on whether the game's at home or on the road. And so then I'll do some relevant stats and things like that, right. and then I'll wait for the quotes to get e- emailed to us, which can be maybe two hours after the game, and then I'll, I'll put a few quotes in various places. So the whole process, about two hours. Although after the Boston College game on Saturday, I didn't bother to wait, wait for the the email, the quotes, and everything like that. I had that sucker written up in thirty minutes and posted.
1: Yeah. Did you? Uh, I'm pretty. I'm sure you had a pretty good start after uh, halftime of law uh, Tuesday night's game.
0: <laughs> well, uh, not really. Um, see, as usual, like I forgot that I didn't have the ACC network. So I sat down fifteen or twenty minutes before the game started to turn on the television. I turned on the TV and I'm like, wait a second, what am I forgetting? <laughs> oh, I don't have the ACC network. Guess I have to get in the car and go go the to champs. go to a bar. Yeah, exactly. So I, I get there, eat. Game starts. Sixteen minutes into the game, it's forty-one to nineteen, uh, Miami, and I just put a load of laundry in at home before I left to go downtown. Before I f- had remembered that I didn't get the ACC network, and I'm like, if "We're down by twenty-two points. Uh, uh, we're not going to win." I think I'll go home and finish laundry instead of leaving it till. Good. 1 a.m. in the morning or whatever. Uh, so yeah, that's what I did. So I did actually watch the last four minutes of the first half or the entire second half. So everything today, you got to take it with a grain of salt and know that I'm just going by box scores here, right. not, not what I actually saw with my own eyes.
1: Real quick, so you go to Champs when you watch games because uh, not having the ACC Network. What, what's the vibe like at Champs oh, when not, a game's hard- rocking though? When it's oh,
0: there's hardly anybody there. Oh. I mean, even when the, the height of the Buzz Williams era, you go around to places in Blacksburg and bars, and you have to ask them to put Tech basketball games on television. It Depends on. I mean, it's just not that big. Okay. Yeah, I, I've, and I've I've been to I've been to Charlottesville for for stuff and. You go in places there, and the ACC network's on all the TVs. So they're yeah. just more interested in.
1: Where'd we go over December like break? Uh, Zinberger? Yeah. Is that the, And yeah. the AC, that was just December. Yeah, I and mean, yeah. There wasn't anything on. The ACC network was, was on like every TV, yeah. right?
0: And, you know, it kind of depends on where you go in Blacksburg. But I, I've had to go out. I, I've gone out to watch basketball games before, like Virginia Tech versus Boston College on a Wednesday night or something like that. And, you know, you, you have to ask people to put on. To whoever's running the bar, hey, Virginia Tech basketball is playing tonight. You know, they have no idea. Well, we're going to break the entire <laughs> Anyway, let's let's not yeah, talk about it. We,
1: we'll, we'll break the entire Virginia Tech Miami game down again 71-61 Miami over Virginia Tech. We'll get to that in just a moment. Again, Evan Hughes, Malcolm Stewart, Chris Coleman with you here on the Tech Sideline podcast will out of town today. Uh, a reminder that it is a great time to be uh, become a part of the Tech Sideline family. Great content up on techsideline.com right now. 84.99 is the annual price, 8.49 is the monthly price, 29.99 the student price. You've got the TSL subscriber board which I want to bring up because i normally don't talk about that talk about all the great content that Mm -hmm. but tell you what the subscriber board there's some really good posters on there it's it it is an interesting interactive board it's it's
0: it's the i would say it's the most intellectual virginia tech message board on the internet for sure as far as knowledge fans knowledge of the program and the ins and outs of the program and things like that
1: and then we've got some great content up right now you've got the recap article at miami uh you uh, will has a uh, like we talked about on Monday, uh, Virginia Tech football and the transfer portal inside the numbers. Pretty good article, uh, and, and a lot more on TechSideLine.com. Again, a great time to become a part of the family. Again, eighty-four ninety-nine, eight forty-nine, the monthly price, and twenty-nine ninety-nine, the student price. All right, let's dive right into it. Again, as we've been talking about, Virginia Tech going into Coral Gables on Tuesday night, looking to bounce back after a. Uh, 51 a uh, 661 to 56 loss to Boston College on Saturday, and the Hokies fall 71 to 61. They trailed by nearly 20 at halftime. They were down 44 to 25. Miami went on a 24 to two run in the first half. The Hokies did cut the deficit to four, however, in the second half. They clawed their way back, ended up falling by 10. Mm-hmm. Chris, the Hokies are now five and five in ACC play, and they've dropped to two teams that were in the lower part of the acc the yeah yeah how do you put
0: that loss into, into uh, well, words for I, Tech? i think things are coming full circle um tech should have played better i think the last two games but they also took their they took the two longest trips in the acc in back-to-back games so friday they fly to boston saturday they play a basketball game fly back to blacksburg practice on sunday monday you fly to Miami. You know, so it's it's the two longest trips that could, that Virginia Tech could play in back-to-back games, and then the second one was actually played on Tuesday instead of Wednesday. Um, so it's it was quick turnaround, two longest trips. So it's not not too surprising, uh, and I and I do think things are coming full circle a little bit. Like I, if Virginia Tech played NC State with with NC State's leading scorer and rebounder, NC State probably wins the game. If Virginia Tech had played UNC. With Brandon Robinson, who scored 29, the next game, Virginia Tech probably loses that game. Right? Syracuse only had six players in the first meeting with Virginia Tech because of injuries. So, Virginia Tech has never had luck when it comes to injuries throughout their entire history of basketball until this year, and they've been extremely lucky when it comes to facing teams. I mean, even last night they played Chris Likes, who's or play Miami without Chris Likes. Who was Miami's leading scorer? So they've been very fortunate when they've caught teams this year. Um, so I, I think they've won a couple of games earlier that they probably didn't deserve to win if the other team had been at full strength. Um, I also think Tech is still better than Miami and Boston College, um, but things are evening out. And over the course of a 30-31 game schedule or whatever, things are going to even out, and you're going to you are who your record says you are, right? Um, so. I, I think if anybody who is upset right now it's because Mike Young, I guess, is a victim of his own success. I mean, they had more success than anybody ever would have guessed early in the season. If you polled the fan base, I don't think the fan the majority of the fan base would have expected fourteen wins this year. I, I did not. Well what did we talk about before the season started? We said I didn't set a number on it because I didn't want to hurt anybody's feeling, but I thought this was gonna be one of the worst teams in tech history. I mean, it's it's six freshmen in a nine in a nine man rotation, with nobody over six five. Are you kidding me? What what about that combination is supposed to be successful? Mike Young's done a great job with this team. Um, it's not supposed to be as good as it has been. But we said several weeks on the show that uh, I think WinTech was at like at like eleven wins or something like that. Said, look, we're playing with house money the rest of the year. This team was finished was picked to finish next to last. Guess what? They're going to finish higher than that. Um, it stinks to lose to Boston College and Miami, of course, but this team isn't big enough, experienced enough, or talented enough where they can get by playing at you know seventy-five percent efficiency or whatever. Right. They've got to they've got to be on point for, from from start to finish, or not necessarily from start to finish, but they got to play
1: at least thirty minutes out of
0: forty minutes, not not, not twenty minutes out of forty minutes.
1: So one thing that's been, a, uh, again, a common trend, understanding that, again, how young this team is, and the word that we keep saying a lot is uh, there's going to be growing pains with mm. a young team. But this team has shown over the last couple of games to go on some 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 cold stretches yep. from the field. Yeah. Whether that's the Syracuse game from the 10-minute mark to about the 4-minute mark in that first half when Bayheim was... Knocking down every shot left and right mm-hmm. to the Boston College game, really the entire second half, only yeah. making one three to last night that twenty four to two run. Is that just a a uh, re- result of having so many young players that having a cold stretch like that is Prob-
0: is common to a certain extent, maybe? Um, as I said, you know, I didn't get I didn't watch the entire game last night. Um, Boston College, I thought, did a better job extending their defense out to the three-point line, because Virginia Tech doesn't have size on the inside, and Virginia Tech doesn't really have players that can beat guys off the dribble. This is a spot-up shooting team. So uh, I don't don't know why we haven't seen more teams just extend their defense out to the three-point line, really guard the ball tight, because Virginia Tech, they're not particularly strong with the ball at times, and if you take away the three-point shot, you stop Virginia Tech's offense, and... And I and I, I don't think they have the personnel to counter that very well right, right. now. So I'm afraid we're going to see more and more of that uh, as the season goes on. So I think that's part of it. Is is you know, 20 games into the season, 21 games in the season now. I think the scouting report is out on everybody. Like I'm, I'm not enough of a basketball X's and those guys to to notice things, but you know, some guys it takes 10 or 15 games to really get a full scouting report on maybe a specific player and before you realize that, oh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker isn't as strong going to his right as he is going to his left. Right. And now that file, that, that dossier on every single tech player is starting to get filled up. Um, and now it's like it's like being a hitter in baseball, a rookie in baseball, right? You come up, you get hot, you hit eight or ten homers in your first month or two. Yeah. And then pitchers start to figure it out. They they start to figure out. You start to see a lot more change ups away, things like that. That's why you always
1: see a slump from that that big time rookie coming up. You know, like I remember like Yasiel Puig, right? His oh, rookie year, oh, he was yeah. on fire. Well, Austin Ry-
0: Austin Riley for the Braves last year, he had, like, he had like maybe like 18 home runs total, but like 15 of them came in came in like two months, and it was like fastball, 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 home run, home run, home run, and then they just started throwing him off speed pitches and. He was lucky to make contact, so it's it's sort of like that. You have to make the adjustments to the adjustments, right? And if you've only got a couple of freshmen in your playing rotation, it's not that not that big a deal. But when almost all your playing rotation are freshmen, it's happening to everybody at the same time.
1: Sure, um, one one player I do want to bring up because you know again he. He he's been so important to this team this year. I mean, you, you could make the argument that Wabisa Beattie means I mean, the most to Virginia Tech. Obviously, yeah. Landers Nolly and the, the scoring option. I understand that. But Beattie in terms of being a floor general, I mean, for a long time, he's had the uh, best assist to turnover ratio in all of the country. He's getting dogged for not having a good game last night, and he didn't have a good game last he, he night. He did have he did have six turnovers last night, which he's is the just, most
0: important player on the team. He's the only point guard on the team. I know Jalen Cone is listed at 5'10", and which means people think he's a point guard, but he's not. He's Brian Chase. For old school Tech fans will remember Brian Chase. He's a 5'10 shooting guard. Sure. Um, that, that's just who he is. Beatty dishes out a lot of, of assists. He did at he, 8 even, last night. Correct. Even in a bad game, he still dishes out a ton of assists. Of assists. He can't score. Uh, fans only watch the games in, on television, right? So they see this team 31 times a year. Uh, I see him in the locker room after games. I see them at Kroger. When I see them at Kroger... Yeah, tell
1: me tell me your Kroger story Kroger about Wabisa for, Beattie. Yeah. Wabisa
0: quick. Beattie's like the only Tech athlete that's come up to me in public and, and talked to me, as opposed to me seeking them out. You know, he's just... He's a, a really friendly... Dude. And he's d- got teammates with him, and Beattie's the always the first one in line. You know, they're behind Beatty. They're following him. This team is really good at getting on the floor and playing hard and floor burns and things like that. And a lot of times freshmen don't do that naturally. It has to be passed down from older players. We are not 14-7 and seven right now without Wabisa Sabidi because he came from a winning culture that was established under Buzz Williams. Um, we would be, we'd be up that creek without a paddle if we're BC, if Beattie wasn't on this team? Because they would not have a point guard. Uh,
1: you're 100% right. I mean, if you don't have Beatty, real quick, you're you're limited to Cone it, it, well, in, and in, the, in, the, in the, bringing the ball to the In the Mike
0: Young offense, probably Naheem Alin would be our other point guard if they had to go a whole season in my opinion it would be Naheem Olean. And but he just Cone brings so
1: I mean you watch him on the floor again not excusing the six turnovers. Right, very, uncharacteristic very uncharacteristic. Very Of Obi Beattie. but yeah. I think you're right. It just it seems like to me that he is not getting enough credit amongst right. the the fans for what he provides. He's probably he's
0: facing more pressure now because like I said, I think I think coaches may have figured out Virginia Tech's weaknesses to a certain extent. You extend that defense out, you pressure the ball, and if you don't have a guy in the paint that you can throw it into and get defenses to back off, then it's, it's really it makes it really tough. I mean, P.J. Horn, I don't know what he's listed as, but he's like 6'5", six, 6'5". Five, six, five if you stand right next to him. I mean, that, that there are shooting guards bigger than P.J. Horn in, in the ACC. It, it, from a physical standpoint... They are outmatched a lot of times when they go out there. Um, so I and so that does affect Beatty. Um, if if it if it becomes harder to run the offense because of your personnel, it, it it does affect your point guard, and he's not the type of player. Like you can't expect him to be Justin Robinson. Beatty was a top one hundred recruit, right? But he wasn't a top one hundred recruit because he was regarded as a great scorer. Um, I, I mean, I remember the scout that we get to do scouting reports on players. I forget exactly his exact words when he did his write-up on on Beattie, but he said basically really strong player, good floor general, good passer, um, good defender, not a scorer. So this is... If, if you read TSL articles, if you're a TSL Pass subscriber... Look in that camera. Say it right. again for Right. If us, you're Chris. a TSL Pass subscriber and you read our scouting reports on w- be Sabidi coming out of high school, this is exactly the type of player that you're getting.
1: Right. A- 80- yeah, it's, it's Not everybody's going to be exactly like Justin Robinson. And, and one thing I, I do think is really unique is I, I feel like Wabi Sabidi has taken so many steps forward from last year for being that kind of like that fifth starter on yeah. the floor and that young guy to yeah. really taking over this team and being the leader. I mean, oh, no doubt. Yeah, I, he's, he's I, a, I tweeted it after, after that long bounce pass on the floor from midcourt to a, a streaking oh, yeah. Isaiah Wilkins for the dunk. I mean, was that not Justin he's, Robinson he,
0: ask It was.
1: He's got really
0: good vision. Uh, and let, let's let's face it. I mean, Justin Robinson, he is Virginia Tech's all-time leading assist man, and he was passing it to Ahmed Hill he was passing it to Ty Outlaw who's Virginia Tech's all-time leader in three-point percentage and he was passing it into Keel Alexander Walker who For You sure can turn the TV and watching the NBA right now, right? Yep. And there's uh, Beatty's not passing it to anybody like that right now. Yeah. Uh, like like Lander's Nolly is a good player, but Lander's Nolly at this stage is a he should just be a spot-up shooter. He's being asked to do more because of the limitations in personnel around him. Uh, which makes him look worse than he actually is a, as a player. I think yeah. he's just asked to do things that he shouldn't be. He should be tie outlaw right now, basically, that you could post up a little bit more maybe than Virginia Tech did with outlaw. But if, if he could just hang around the three-point line and be a spot-up shooter, uh, he would be a more effective player. You wouldn't see the turnovers from Nolly. You wouldn't see the the frustrating parts of his game that, that are kind of making Tech fans upset right now. But that's because Virginia Tech is limited in personnel and experience at the other spots. Uh, they, they, they need more height, right. and they need guys to get older. Yep. And they'll be fine. It's just that's 14 and 7 for this group. What we have, I think, is, is an exceptional. Yep
1: exceptional job so far. 5-5 five, in five league play. Again, we're breaking down Miami's 71-61 to 61 win over Virginia Tech on Tuesday. Uh, we will uh, continue on this discussion for a little bit, then we're going to talk a lot about students uh, at Virginia Tech and uh, how they – uh, Interactive football, men's basketball games. That's going to be our larger discussion. And then again, we invite you to drop your questions on Facebook Live. For those watching live right now, we're going to have more time than usual to get those at the end of the podcast. Okay, so uh, one thing I did want to bring up quickly here, Chris Tyrese Radford was a highlight last night for yeah, Virginia was. Tech 24 points, eight rebounds. Um, played 27 minutes 10 of 13 from the floor and he continues to surprise everybody i would like to see his heat map as far as shooting goes like where his
0: shots come from you see a whole bunch of green right around the basket and like a little a random little dot here and there everywhere else uh love him he knows who he is as a player he only got 27 minutes, and I saw some que- some people wondering why he might have only gotten 27 minutes. Well, yeah, he did well, finish with four personal fouls. Correct, and th- that's what's exactly what I'm getting at. Well, first of all, Mike Young rotates a little more than Buzz Williams. Uh, Mike Young goes with a nine man rotation, and you know, even when Buzz had enough bodies on the bench, he would still play his main guys 30 plus minutes every night. A lot of times, uh, Mike Young doesn't quite do that for the most part. Although he'll do it with Nolly every now and then. But generally speaking, he likes this guys in the upper 20s. And he noted – he said last night that he would have – he was tempted to play Radford with those two fouls in the first half. But Radford is such an aggressive player on offensive rebounding that you really run the risk of him picking up his third foul 90 feet from the basket. Yeah. And that, that would be a tough one to swallow. Um so he elected to, to sit him w- w- with the foul trouble. And it's understandable when you think about it that way.
1: Minutes-wise, uh, Beattie plays 37. Horn plays 37. Radford and Nolly play 27. Only 15 minutes for Jalen Cohn. Mm-hmm. And uh, last basketball question around the Miami game before we quickly look at Florida State. Uh, this is the third straight game, as you noted, out in your, noted in your article, third straight game that Virginia Tech has gone with a different lineup combination right. do you think there is a clear starting five or do you think it really depends on who the hot hand is what virginia tech's starting five should be well
0: I, I d- certainly pj horn at center um, whether that's the case next year after Ojiako shows some improvements uh, after Aluma is eligible next year uh, we'll see obedient uh, point guard certainly he's the only point guard on the team he's the most experienced player on the team best passer on the team all that stuff uh, Nolly is clearly preferred. At this point, I think Tyrese Radford is clearly preferred. That fifth spot, I think it kind of depends on who's playing well at the time. Like, for a while it was Naheem Aline, and then Cone figured it out, and it was Cone. Um, Couture had a couple spot Couture starts. Couture has had a few starts in there. So, I think it, yeah, I think it depends on who's Playing the the best right now, and and it's good to have that competition. Yeah. I think it, it should make all those guys better, and it's good to have options, multiple options. Uh, Cone's a guy. I mean, you have to remember he's listed at five ten. I've stood right next to him in the locker room, both of us standing up. He's like five eight and a half or five nine. He's the same height as me. He's not five ten. I mean, he he's a short dude. And you're not going to be able to depend on guys that size to score in double figures every single night. Sure. That's just the way it is. Um, so I, so it's good to have those options. I, I think Naheem Aileen, out of every player on this team long term, will score more points than anybody on this current team. Uh, I think long term he's a starter. Um, right now, you know, he's still a little bit hit or miss. He can go out there and drop 20 on you one night or get shut out the next right. night, which – I guess you expect that inconsistency with Rice. One name
1: to look out for moving forward. Coach Young talked about this on Tech Talk Live. He's really trying to find ways to get Isaiah Wilkins more involved. He only played thirteen minutes last night, but he's been saying he's been playing well. He's just trying to find the right uh, uh yeah. fit for Wilkins. Yeah, he's not shooting it well right now. That 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 and that's I, I'm sort of
0: like everybody else.
1: He was one of eight from the field last right, night, right. so a tough day. Yes,
0: I'm a little bit like everybody else. I, I don't know the intricacies of basketball X's and O's. So we get a, a former college basketball coach to write basketball articles for us sometimes, and I edit the articles. And I'm reading stuff, stagger, scre- stagger screens and stuff like that. Like I, I have, it's all Greek to me. I don't know what it is. So I'm sure there's a lot of things that uh, basketball coaches look for that your average fans like me who never played basketball sure there's a lot of things they see that I don't see right and I'm sure Isaiah Wilkins does a lot of those things um but I I do think he's he's a more capable shooter than he's showing this year Yep. and it would be nice if he'd have one of those games where he dropped 12 points and that takes the pressure off a five eight and a half Jalen Cone from having to score in double figures every night I had that
1: question written down Then I looked at the box score and saw he was one of eight so tough night last night for Wilkins all right that'll uh Again, 71-61, the final score, Miami over Virginia Tech. Uh, we're getting ready to take a break here on the podcast, but quickly, uh, <laughs> quick turnaround here for the Hokies. On Saturday, they welcome Florida State, a top-ten team. Yep. And, Chris, this is a team personally. Oh, my gosh. Look, Looking at Virginia Tech every year, when I see the schedule, I'm going to be honest with you. I would Tell me if I'm honestly crazy. Florida State is the one team that I just – don't want to see. I hate them. Because right. they're so well, I don't tall. I hate them. I hate playing right. them. Right. Because they're, they're I, would like, rather, I would rather Virginia Tech play. I think Virginia Tech has a better chance to match up against Duke, a good Carolina team in years past, any top tier. Louisville. I mean, Florida State is just not a good matchup for Virginia Tech. Le- Leonard Hamilton, while the rest of college basketball has
0: gotten smaller with, with more interchangeable players, you don't have to have a seven-foot center like it's not 1992 <laughs> anymore, right? Uh, he's done the opposite. Like... If he's like if you put this in college football, he's still running the I formation. He's right. he's running yeah. these power formations against defenses that have made the adjustments to spread off. They're the Tennessee Titans like offense yeah. running run right. with Derrick Henry up the middle yeah. twenty five times it, a game. Exactly, because it's counterintuitive to what everybody else right. is doing. Um, so yeah, I mean I've seen them out there with like six, ten small forwards before. They're literally they like an NBA team as as far as their size goes. Um, that said it's it's difficult for their center to come out and guard PJ Horn on the three point line and things like that. And I've seen Virginia Tech beat Florida stuff so oh, like before, I, yeah, absolutely. You, know, you know, so it's 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 certainly possible, but I haven't studied their personnel yet this year as far as their experience goes. I know before they lost to UVA last night they'd won ten in a row. I I hate that they lost last night because they're they're a really really good team and it's unlikely that a team that good loses two in a row as down as the ACC is this year.
1: Um, well, we've seen crazier things in the ACC before yeah, too, though. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: so we'll see. Am um, I am yeah, I crazy
1: to think Florida State can win the ACC this year? Oh, they certainly can. I think um, I think they're they're, that, that they're, there's only three teams that can win it: Florida State, Duke, and Louisville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, totally agree with you. All right, great basketball talk here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. Again, we've got Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes producing, Chris Coleman, Evan Hughes with you on set. Will is in Richmond on business. We miss him, and he'll be back with us on Monday. Let's do this. Let's take our first time out here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. When we come back student engagement in college athletics it's a trendy topic we'll talk about what it's like here at Virginia Tech we'll talk about the north end zone the student section for football uh, the turnout for uh, basketball games this year really great great conversation coming up here on the Tech Sideline podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm.
0: If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To
1: learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at fisherlegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go. Hokies welcome back to the tech sideline podcast presented by the Fisher law firm so glad you could join us for episode 113 Malcolm Stewart Chris Coleman Evan Hughes uh, with you here on Wednesday morning, January 29th. We just broke down Virginia Tech's loss to Miami and basketball. Great conversation. And now we're going to transition to a, uh, again, a trendy topic, I think is the, kind of the way to say it, because this has been something that has been a, a hot topic on talk shows. And uh, we've heard Nick Saban talk about this with his student section at Alabama, and it's student engagement in college athletics. And, uh, staying through quarters one through four in football and how basketball is different from football. It's a really interesting conversation. And I think I thought it was a really good topic to bring up today. We talked about the transfer portal at length. Great conversation on Monday's episode of the tech sideline podcast. And I thought this would be a really unique conversation to have today. Uh, And Malcolm, feel free to chime in at any point here as well Uh, from from a uh, student perspective uh, to get Malcolm involved here. But you know, Chris, Virginia Tech has had, I think many would say, a really strong um, student fan base for a long period of time in the North End zone. And, you know, I remember growing up going to Tech games and seeing the North End zone packed. And over mm-hmm. the last couple of years, we have certainly seen, especially this past season, the student section. Let's focus on football first. The student section by halftime, half, time, half mm-hmm. empty. And yeah. then by the fourth quarter, you can start to see the metal bleachers open. I- I'm yeah. curious. Why do you think students are not staying through the full game for Virginia Tech football games? There's so many different things. Uh, first of all, you know, when you talk about a
0: football game, got it's more than a football game. This is a day-long drinking experience. Let's, let's go ahead and say what it is, right? And the football game is part of that. Um, now, when I was in school, it wasn't that long ago. But no. But in terms of technology It was a long long time ago Like when I was in school nobody had an HDTV Right Right. And now you got 60 70 inch TVs Available cheap Like, like even your poor students Who are $50,000 In debt Has a nice <coughs> HDTV these days Right So you're sitting there 15 minutes Before kickoff and you're like Oh gosh this TV looks great I'm really having a fun day I could go in the stadium, or I could just keep hanging here with my friends and watch the, and have actually have a better view of the game here on my television, right? Um, and I get it, man. Those Center Street parties are fun too. It's 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 a lot different back have there. Have you seen Center Street when it's? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, Does, I, I don't blame them. If I if I was twenty or twenty two years old or stuff like that, football games are long. And this is an issue we're seeing with football and baseball. I mean, baseball is passing rules to shorten the game because people's interests these days are drawn to faster sports. Um, And I I I think the halftime experience at football games, because football games aren't really an intimate experience because you're not close to the field, there's only so much you can do with your halftime to keep people engaged. Like Castle Coliseum, you have dog shows, and everybody likes dogs. right? And dog show's you, unbelievable. You can't, you can't by really the do way. that in Lane Stadium, yeah. right? Um, it's just the band marching around the field, and, and, and like we said, it's drinking day, right? So everybody's dehydrated by halftime, right. to a certain extent, too. So, yeah, I just I, th- I do think <clears throat> with the way, and I don't, I don't mean this as a negative, the way society has evolved it's harder to keep people engaged for a three-and-a-half-hour football game these right. days than it used to be. How society has evolved, how technology has evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, football games are social events to a lot of people rather than football games. I remember being at a game this past year, and there was these two girls. If they weren't students, they were recent grads. Sitting to my right a few rows down, they spent half the first quarter trying to get the perfect pitcher together, and then they left at halftime. I mean, the only reason they went in the stadium was so the to picture. take a picture that they can put on social media and then say they went to the game.
1: Real right. quick, I do want to add, again, this is across the nation. This is not, We're just yeah, focusing yeah, yeah. on Virginia Tech. Yeah. This is not just a Virginia Tech problem. This is, like you're saying, a, a technology, students. Nick Saban's complaining about their students. Right, section, correct. Right. Um, I, I do find that interesting, though, because I, I, I coming from myself and, and, and knowing, um, having friends who are not sports media students like myself. You know, they go to the games, like you're saying. It's a a drinking experience. They're going to Center Street. And I do know some people that just, hey, we understand Enter Sandman's a big deal. Let's go, make it to Sandman, and then leave.
0: Yeah, sure. You can post it on Snapchat, Instagram. Look here, I was at the Tech game. Okay, let's go back and play some beer pong. Malcolm, do you want to Malcolm jump in Sanders. here at
1: all? Just about the experience, and just you know, I, I think leading to a conversation just about football with society and, or more so with technology trends, like you're saying, is yeah. there ever a a day where we can where it'll get back across the boards, where student engagement it's a it's a it's a thing, it's a big uh, deal. They again. have to find a way
0: to speed the game up, in my opinion.
1: Um,
0: yeah, it's getting slower with with all the replays. And the bigger TV contracts, so longer commercials and things like that, uh, it's it's definitely getting slower.
1: Malcolm, jump in here. I mean, a day for – I mean, your friends, your perspective as a college student, take our listeners through just a little bit. What what a day is like you wake up on a Saturday morning for a 3.30 <laughs> kick. I mean, just how much – What? Huh, when does that day get started? How long are students out before the game, before the game even kicks off?
2: I feel like my experience is kind of unique now because i live on center street um so for our noon we'll go with a noon kickoff i was woken up at 8 a.m by several of my fraternity brothers first of all it's your your head right here yeah okay good over there welcome on on the the couch malcolm there we go uh you know many (laughs) cases of beer and i can say that now because i'm 21 but yeah it's more of a drinking event than a football game i know as a freshman you would wake up in your dorm or whatever, and it's, are you going to Center Street? It's not, are you going to be at the game? Right. That, uh, that's once you that's get a great to point. The, you know, people don't want to go to the game and sober up, and especially the north end zone, there's nothing to do. You're just sitting the, out in the sun. The, the,
0: you're you're sitting – it's it's really hot for those September games, and even the can be for the first half of October, in my opinion. There's not enough water stations in there. Like, I remember a couple years ago – I, I bought a girl a bottle of water because she didn't have any money and she was just dehydrated because she, I, you know, she drank too much before the game, all that stuff, and uh, so I don't know. There's just, there's just a lot of lot of things that go into it these days, and, and and that's just the way. Like like I said, it's it's a so it's a it's more of a social thing, right? Than the football game these days.
1: Do you, what, here's one question I'll pose to you because I I feel like listen, college whether it's 2020 or 2002 or even the 1980s you know college kids and and tailgating that 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 hasn't changed per se but i'm curious to get your thoughts on this do you think that students across the country any school do you think that students caring about sports as a whole has decreased uh specifically their college their university their their school spirit they care they
0: care in different ways um they, they care. Oh, they have five teams. They're going to keep up with the Capitals, the Wizards, Virginia Tech. Uh, I mean, there are certain times of the year when the Caps, the Wizards, and Virginia Tech are all playing in the same night, right? So you're doing this the whole time. So that, that's how you care, right? You keep up with all three of your teams in one night. You've got a bunch of stuff on your phone. You're getting updates left and right. You play fantasy football. Um, I think they're spread out a little more these days, not just in sports, but in other aspects of their lives as well. I mean, there's just more stuff to do these sure. days, period. Um, and, and that makes, I mean, sports is competing against other other markets. Um, You know, the, the internet access in Lane Stadium is not particularly good, and that's a big deal these days. Um, Notre Dame, you can actually see the Wi-Fi things all around the, the station, which costs millions of dollars, apparently.
1: Oh, I'm um, sure. Yeah, right, yeah.
0: right. And Virginia Tech athletics department right now does not have spare millions of dollars sitting around to do that, so that's not something that's going to happen right now.
1: Malcolm, again, saying all this discussion, just just you're 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 in a fraternity, your fraternity brothers. Give me a percentage. How many of them follow Virginia Tech athletics closely Remember and he's really? Ran. I'm sorry, you're right yeah. there. I'm sorry. How many of them really truly? are into virginia tech sports and how many of them know that they just they need to go to the football game because everybody goes to the football game
2: actually a lot of them it's a it's a pretty high percentage
1: that care they they really are into virginia Tech. yep Mm -hmm. yeah i I just think it's you know it's an interesting discussion because they they just
0: express it differently these days yep it's different and like like invading the
1: twitter mentions
0: it's harder Um, to keep people engaged uh and, and basketball yeah let's transition, let's transition into, transition into that. that is actually much more conducive to keeping engagement throughout the course of the game first of all the game's only two hours it's not three and a half hours the halftime show is much more personal you're close enough to the court where you can look out there see players faces expressions and you just feel like you know them better mm-hmm. um so, so i think for for 2020 with everything every, with everything that where we are as a society right now, I think basketball is more conducive to fan engagement at the actual event. And basketball game is, you know, your day during basketball season does not revolve around the basketball game either.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, you, you're a Saturday for a, for a college. Student, all about, so, it, it's all about the football. You
0: game. know, uh, uh, let's say you have a Tuesday night home basketball game. You roll in a castle at six o'clock to get your seat if you're a student. Game starts at seven. It lasts for two hours. You're back in your dorm by nine fifteen. You got studying to do. It's still early enough to mm-hmm. to to be able to study. Because a football game is different. You know, it's it's your, even for like a Thursday night game or a Friday night game. You know, it's 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 just different. It's a, it's a bigger chunk of your day. Sure. Um, basketball is just something. A basketball game is no different than me like getting up in the morning and watching like a Premier League game, which lasts like an hour and forty five minutes. Uh, hour and 45 minutes uh, if it's a 7 30 a.m game get up and watch it um you know it's over with by before 10 o'clock in the morning i've got my whole day ahead of me um even if it's like an afternoon game it's only like it only takes like a two-hour chunk out of my day yeah,
1: yeah. i was i was sending in the stands for the unc game and i had it at 8 a.m the next morning that was a wednesday night, right tip off was eight against unc and i remember looking at my phone and it was like 10 15 going into overtime i'm like, I'm like I got time. You know, yeah, Like yeah. You, you're right. I mean, it just feels, it, it moves along at a, at a quicker pace. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I like what you said. It doesn't take up a large chunk of your day like football does. Right. Let's talk about the, and, and give credit where credit is due, even though, of course, the Castle Coliseum student section, the ca- um, uh, Castle Guard, smaller number of seats compared to Lane. So right. you can make the statement, oh, well, that's full to the top for those big, eight. well, you know, there's not as much, seats compared to lane right so putting that into perspective but i mean since game one in saint francis and mike young has really harped on this every media he's tweeted about it um fans are i mean students are outside an hour and a half before the game waiting for the doors to open he bought pizza i don't know if you saw that (laughs) for fans that were waiting Before the game against UNC, so mm-hmm. I think the game tipped off at eight, eight and students yeah. were there at like six, and he bought pizza and he was responding to uh, students that were thanking him on Twitter. So what what do you what do you think is is basketball right now the the reason for so many students coming? Is that a mixture of like you were saying it's a shorter game? Is that the culture that was set before by Buzz Williams? Mm-hmm. Why do you think basketball is having so much success with student turnout? I think the timing of Virginia Tech basketball. Evolving from a
0: bad program to a good program has been really, really good. Because, like I say, I think where we are right now as a society, it's more conducive to being, to staying engaged at a basketball game than a football game. So I think that's really helped basketball games. I think if you go to a basketball game these days at Virginia Tech, you have a good time. You, you don't want to leave at halftime. Like, it's not just students who leave at halftime at football games. Oh, absolutely. We're f- I mean,. Uh, A large... Right. It's it's so much more than just students. So... But you don't see that in Castle at all. Not at all. You see students staying to the very
1: end of the game. I mean, the UNC game, I don't think the student section... Yeah,
0: yeah. No. ...got smaller at
1: all. Absolutely not. um, So... And it's more than just that row, by the way. Now you've got students that are... It kind of wraps around, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So, like, under where, where the band plays, yeah. that student section, Yeah, it's cert- I feel like Castle Guard's gotten a little bit bigger yeah. over the last couple yeah. Of years. Yeah. I, I think so, too.
0: And, you know, a football game, man, it's just... It used to be, like, I could write an article and I wouldn't have to go back and watch the game on a condensed version. Now I almost have to, like, on a Sunday morning because... The views on television are just so much better. I know everything that happened in that football game that I didn't necessarily know when I was sitting in the stands. Sure. It, it's so it's just it's easier to consume by staying home, in my opinion. Yeah. I could probably cover a football game better by staying home than I could if I
1: went to the game. No question in my mind. Yeah. And for fans that are diehard fans, I think some can make the argument in terms of being locked in, dialed in, no distractions. They can watch every play, every snap, and that gets into a larger discussion about being able to throw a second TV up and throw up the the national (laughs) game, you know, and have that to your – so – Anyways, interesting discussion, and I don't know if uh, Facebook's chiming in at all with comments on this, but we can get to that a little bit later. Uh, As promised, though, we do have uh, some some questions that were sent in before the show. We've got a little bit uh, longer of time for a little uh, Tech Sideline podcast Q&A for uh, Chris so let's go ahead and transition into that. Let's dive into some questions. I've got a couple written. Malcolm, I'm going to get to first, and then we'll throw it over to Facebook. But, again, for those watching right now, drop them in the comments. Whatever question you have for Chris, whatever sport, uh, go ahead and, and, and throw it our way. Okay, uh, let's start off with a basketball question. Uh, this one comes in from V.T. Izzle. like that name. V.Tizzle. V.Tizzle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that works. Come on, Evan. V.Tizzle. Uh, men's basketball team gets 20 wins, yes or no? Straight up.
0: Nah, they're 14 right now. Yeah. Um what do they have 10 more games left in the regular season? So they'd have to win six of their last 10. They've still got to play Florida state at home. They got to play Louisville and Duke on the road. They got one more, one more game against Virginia, who by the way has won three out of four now. Um, They're getting better. I, I just don't think it's in the cards to win 20, uh, 20. No. Did he specify regular season or no? He just said, okay. Now if they like make the NIT and get a couple home games, yeah. Th- then yeah, maybe so. But as far as a regular season goes, I, I don't, I don't think I see this team as, as a is a twenty win team. Now if they get to twenty in the regular season somehow, then Mike sh- uh, Mike Young should be ACC Coach of the Year. Yeah,
1: I, I think like you have no to, question. I think you have to look at yeah, absolutely. I think if you look at what they have left to do and their schedule is about to get really tough coming. up, They still have Florida State. They still have Duke. Uh, they still have UNC again. I believe correct. I don't know. No, I, I don't I'm not. Think they have Louisville. The schedule is about to really ramp up. I think you have to look at the way this team is is trending right now. Yeah, and, and they're and, struggling. And
0: when well, basketball, the trends can go up and down just like for that, sure. You know, for but especially a streaky three point shooting team. If Tech gets hot, I, I, mean, I, st- I still look at this team kind of the same way as I did before the season. It's an undersized team that's mostly freshmen.
1: Yeah, those types of teams they they don't win twenty games. Yeah. yeah. Um. Here's a question from Cyber Hokey. Uh-huh. In your mind, what are Coach Mike Young's challenges this year, which I think we explained, and what are his answers for next year? Also, Mm. BD is a fantastic floor general, but really struggles to score. He's shooting 40% from the field and 54% from the free throw line. Having a point guard that isn't much of a scoring threat, what challenges does that cause Coach Mike Young and the team? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a challenge. Like I said, I'm not a basketball X's and O's
0: guy. I've never played the sport. So asking me a basketball X's and O's question, I mean, you might as well just go ask some random dude off the street the same thing and he'd probably just get just as good an answer but I think uh, I think you can play off BeaD um I think when you want BD, when BD drives I still think you kind of want him to shoot it sometimes instead of him kicking out to an open shooter um I just think the personnel limitations of the entire offense are are really limiting what Mike young can do this year he he said he said it in the in, to the press earlier in the season and he said it off the record to a friend of mine he's like i need my two bigs out there meaning a center and a power forward um the power forward more so mainly is like a screener and a tough right. rebounder and things like that but mike young's best season in college coaching came last year when he had a center who statistically was very similar to carry blackshear it was a guy who could pass dribble and shoot Everybody talked about McGee, who led the NCAA in three-point shooting, but their offense really took a step forward last year when they had a center that really opened things up for them. Um, PJ Horn is a really good shooter, but I bet, I don't know, I bet 60 or 70 percent of his points come from outside the three-point line. and. You don't want it going that, that heavy in that direction. And he's not a guy who can put it on the floor or is a great passer or anything like that. So I, I think he's got I think he's got to recruit his way out of his personnel issues. Some of it's going to get better just based on experience, like right. Naheem Ali and Hunter Couture, Jalen Cohn. All those guys are going to get better. Um, you're going to add a couple of good players next year to the mix. Darius Maddox. Uh, Joe Bamasil. Bamasil, who is unfortunately missing this season with an injury. But very, very, he's a very, very talented player, in my opinion. Yeah, I think he's got a chance to be really good at Tech. But and next so, year, Aluma, I think. We yeah, really, you, you add Aluma in. I think idea they might have to play him at center. Who I, I don't know. Um, and again, for those but, that
1: don't know, Aluma transferred with uh, transferred from <laughs> Wofford to Virginia Tech. Yeah. Mike Young did not transfer. Right. Um, but uh, Aluma transferred with Coach Young. He's going to sit out this year, and he is that he's a that, that he's four. a power
0: forward type you know he's a 68 guy um they they could play him there they could play him at, at center there'll be more lineup options like they could play him at center and pj at power forward they could reverse it they could put Ojiako at center and then Aluma at four at times so, so there're more lineup options and pj Horn team. could
1: play his natural position of 3 right, like he's right. yeah something like that
0: um so they're going to have more lineup options the freshmen are, are going to become sophomores um, I do not subscribe and have never subscribed to the theory that at this point the freshmen aren't freshmen anymore. Okay. That that takes a whole off season of strength and conditioning. Yeah. Uh, and, if, and if, okay, so let's say I did subscribe to that though. Our freshmen aren't freshmen anymore. Our sophomores are now juniors. Our juniors are now seniors. Well, everybody else's freshmen are now sophomores too by that theory, right? Everybody else's sophomores are now juniors. It's the same thing for everybody else. So yeah. Yeah. The, I I think he's squeezed as much out of this orange as he can. Uh, I I think whatever personnel issues we have will be addressed in the offseason with natural improvements from some guys
1: and recruiting in other ways. Yeah, and he's getting it done on the recruiting chair right now. He's done a nice job, yeah. Okay, here's a question from Westy Hokey. What should we feel confident about in 2020 for football? Seems like constant churn. We think the wide receiver... Uh, wide receivers are a strength, and it I is don't. the opposite. <laughs> right? Yeah. We mm-hmm. almost led the NCAA in portal tr- entrance and, and yada, yada, yada. So what exactly should we feel confident about in 2020 for football from Westie Hokie? Um, I think we feel confident in quarterback play.
0: Um, with the exception of Ryan Willis at the beginning of the past se- this past season, the Justin Fuente-Brad Cornelson combination has always gotten better play out of their quarterbacks than they probably have any business getting out of them. Like Josh Jackson – Look how awful he is at Maryland. I mean, his his pro, fo- fo- pro football focus rating at, in Maryland is like 44.3. It was over a 70. He was so
1: funny. He started off the season, I mean, red hot. Remember right. they had that upset and win the, and they, right. they were top 25. And then the film, and then,
0: the film yeah. got out on their offense and everything. Like, you know, you see that happen every year. Um, so, I, I, th- I think these guys are exceptional at getting good quarterback play. Uh, I mean, if you go all the way back to when Fuente was at TCU, the quarterback who replaced – Andy Dalton, who came after Andy Andy Dalton. I forget his name. But Fuente was offensive coordinator for one more year there. And this guy had a great year. It wasn't Jared Boykin, was it? Uh no. No, I'm no, sorry, Jared Boykin. Jarrett. Sorry, you, you mean, what, uh, uh
1: Travon. Is that uh, I'm uh, forgetting it, his name. No
0: Bo- last name was Boykin. Boykin ended up replacing this guy. Later. Gotcha. Okay. okay, but this guy had it like a great sophomore season. Like statistically better than Andy Dalton with Fuente as offensive coordinator, right? Then Fuente leaves this guy ends up getting benched he's so bad like he was a dominant player under Justin Fuente and then he's awful without Justin Fuente so I think this staff whatever Justin Fuente leaves maybe we'll recruit better in the rankings and everybody will be happy but I'm willing to bet the next coach doesn't get as good a quarterback play Mm -hmm. as this staff does so I think we can rely on good quarterback play I think we can pretty much count on the offensive line taking a step forward um I think the cornerbacks will be excellent, assuming Farley is healthy. Um, it's, it's The defensive tackles are going to be really, really good. It's kind of hard to project like defensive ends and linebackers because sure. you don't know what the, the scheme is going to look like. I think the inside running game will be better. I think we'll be able to balance. We'll have a more balanced running game this year as far as inside mm-hmm. game and outside game. Couldn't really run the inside plays this year too much because you're starting to pair a pair of true freshmen right next to each other at center and right guard, and your running back is 180 pounds. Now you're going to be a little bit older. You throw Brock Hoffman in the mix, who's probably your physically your strongest offensive lineman. Throw him in the interior. you got a 205-pounder in Khalil Herbert now. Jayon Holston will hopefully be healthy. Uh, I think you give yourself a chance to have a better inside running game this Blackshear. year. Blackshear? Uh, right. Well, I think he'll be a slot guy.
1: That's right. Yep, yep. In my
0: opinion. But... So, I I think those are what I just said are the things you can rely on. There's still going to be question marks that, like, who's going to be H-back, right? Sure. Who's going to be the other outside receiver? Or or who's going to fill out the two-deep outside Mm -hmm. receiver? Who's going to get hurt because there's always an injury? Um, Who's going to play safety? Who's who's taking Um, over for Reggie Floyd? Right, exactly. Things like that. Those will be your unknowns, but... uh, so, so quarterback play specifically, okay. I think we'll, they'll get yeah. the most out of Hendon Hooker. Or if somebody beats out Hendon Hooker, that means they, they beat out somebody who had a pretty good redshirt
1: sophomore yeah. year, all all told. By the way, correct me if I'm wrong here. I forget who tweeted out. It might have been Andy Bitter, but uh, Vegas or somebody came out with uh, odds to win the Heisman next year. And Hendon uh, Hooker's at 101 odds. Yeah. Well, go put a dollar down. <laughs> Never know. <laughs> Okay, Chaz B writes, and then we'll get to Malcolm here on Facebook Live with questions. Let's reset expectations for football. Can Virginia Tech win the Coastal? And if so, what has to come? To, what has to come together in offense, defense, and special teams? Oh, that
0: they certainly can win the Coastal. I mean, they're close to winning the Coastal. Right, they're so. one game away. And guess what? UVA's probably going to get worse next year. And they were the Coastal Division champions. Virginia Tech returns like 17 or 18 starters or whatever. Yeah, I mean, this is absolutely a team that can win the Coastal, Uh, either them or North Carolina. Miami certainly has the talent. Nobody questions Miami's talent. Um, Maybe you question it a little bit on the offensive line, Right. but this is a team that, if they play to their ability, can be right there with Virginia Tech and North Carolina over the course of a 12-game season. If they play to their ability, if they aren't skipping curfew the night before games, like apparently they were doing this past year as it came out after the season. So yeah, a dialed-in Miami team can, can be right there, too, but I, I don't remember the last time I saw a dialed-in Miami team from okay. the start of the season to the end. So I'm going to go ahead and discount them right now, okay. probably unfairly, but... Did I'm you it. see?
1: Did you see Andy Bitters tweet about a month ago or something? He said, "Reminder to August, Andy. No matter what, do not pick Miami to win the Coastal. Something similar to that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, He said no matter what happens.'
0: Yeah, yeah you, you you pick up that ro- that Athlon every year, and you're going through their roster, and then you go back and look at recruiting rankings. You're like, oh man, this team's really good. And uh, no, no, they're not. <laughs> they're they're going to go like six and six or seven and five and lose they're, to Louisiana. They're going to look the, awesome. Sometimes they're going to look." terrible other times that's just how they roll but as far as what has to happen uh i think the defense has to continue to improve it was made huge strides from 2018 to 2019 i mean just just three times as good four times as good i mean just, just a much much better defense has to continue to make strides uh particularly at safety defensive end and linebacker and I, I can't I, – I don't know exactly what it's going to look like Look because like, I don't know the what the scheme is going to be. Are they going to go short side, wide side, defensive end, short side, strong side, safety? Are they going to play to the run strength and the passing strength? Or are they just going to do left and right, defensive end? You know, I, I don't know how it's going to look like. I, I do think they'll have a little more depth. I think their depth was okay this past year. Um, and overall, like, like the defensive ends this year were like – C-plus, B-minus defensive ends. Everybody's going to remember the Kentucky game, but Kentucky is the fifth-rated offensive line in the entire country. So you give them a little bit of a break for that because that's the best offensive line that they faced all year. So I think the defense has to continue to take step forwards, take a step forward. Offensively, the the two things to me are wide receiver depth, specifically outside receiver, and how are you going to replace Dalton King? Who is going to replace Dalton King? Who is going to play that H-back role? Sam Rogers and Dalton Keene were different players, but they were both, you know, they could both block, they could both catch. Um, one yeah. was more of a traditional fullback, one more of a traditional tight end, but they were both smart enough and good enough to play that role. Yeah. I don't know who I envision in that role yeah. right now. For I assume Gallo will get a shot there. Not James uh, Mitchell, right? Because he's more of your traditional... Uh, yeah, I maybe he could play there in certain roles, but... Yeah, I, I I don't he to me he's not enough good a good enough blocker at is, this stage. Is, I'd rather have him as an outside receiver.
1: Is Jalen Holston physical enough to take on that role? A more of a, even though he's closer to a Sam Rogers type than a Dalton Keene? I would uh I think
0: a position's open and you try to you try out as many options as you as you can in the spring. Yeah. and and figure it out from there. Uh I'm not opposed to Coming up with a Sam Rogers role for a guy like for a guy like Jalen Holston, I'm
1: not opposed to it at all. All right, quick answer here for this one. Bonus question from Chasby. I like it. What's it going to take for quarterback Hendon Hooker to take the next step? And is this quarterback whisper Fuente's biggest challenge in 2020? uh well,
0: taking the next step for Hendon Hooker. He's got to, probably got like most young quarterbacks. He's got to pro, he's got to continue to get better at progressing through his reads and things like that, but. It would also help if his wide receivers could start catching the ball consistently, let's, let's face it. Um, key drop passes against UVA and Kentucky. If, even if everything else had stayed the same in those two football games, there were three or four balls that if they had been caught, Tech probably would have won both of them. Sure. Um, so no, of course, if they would beaten UVA, they wouldn't have played Kentucky in a ball game. But you know, you get my point. We would have been in Florida, Florida. Yeah, <laughs> text my <Adelaide laughs> podcast on a boat somewhere. A, yeah, that would have been right. nice, wouldn't it? Well, um, well twenty twenty, yeah, or twenty twenty one. Yeah, there. so I, I think, so I think he's got to get better his reads, his progressions. I like to see his arm strength get a little more dynamic, mm-hmm. where he gets a little bit better at those fades, like like Willis and Quincy Patterson. Right, because he said straight up to the media before he was like, I don't have a cannon like those dudes have. He said that. I was there when he said it. So maybe uh, improve the arm strength a little bit. But I think the main thing is just get more reps under your belt. The game continues to slow down for you. You have a better understanding of the passing game in general. Not just the tech offense itself, but just being a passer of the football. Sure. Um, and that that comes with time. So that, that's where you'd like to see him take a step forward. But some of that's dependent on. His receivers too.
1: Yeah, um, I,
0: I I don't know what's going to happen without Damon Hazelton. I don't think Tech they it might actually help them between the twenties to a certain extent,
1: but it's not going to help them in the red zone for right. sure. Losing
0: Damon Hazelton.
1: Yep. I, I, great question. I I don't think it's his biggest challenge. Though I think Hooker a strength coming back. I think like you're saying the H back spot the outside receiver yeah. and then uh safeties on D- there are other challenges. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean you uh, want Hooker to progress, obviously, but I don't think that's the biggest it, it, challenge. It
0: would be the the shocking thing about this past year is how bad Ryan Willis was. Every other Fuente every other Fuente, every other quarterback of the Fuente era at Virginia Tech, at Memphis, and at T C U has played above his level. Mm-hmm. Like, even that first quarterback he had at Memphis when they were so bad, that guy still had a 10-3 to to touchdown-to-interception ratio. Like, he had no talent, but he still somehow managed to limit that guy to three turnovers, three interceptions. So I think that says more about Ryan Willis than does anything else the season he had just had this past season. Um, But Hendon Hooker's got a good head on his shoulders. I think just from a pure coaching standpoint and a schematic standpoint, statistically the quarterback numbers are going to be there. It would be surprising if, if they weren't. we got to do things like finish off drives. um, Continue to be good in the red zone, which Tech was this past year up until the last two games. Um, don't drop a key third down pass. Things like that. The little things. I mean, yeah, yeah. go mean, a also, long right, way. The, right. right, absolutely. Uh, and get a little
1: more depth at running back. Um, but I think Tech's very close yeah. offensively. Without further ado, it's time to turn it over to the best podcast producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. He's right there. He's I'm sorry, I keep. So I just want to look at Malcolm. <laughs> we'll He's right there. there. Hi, yeah. Malcolm. How are you?
2: Good. Patrick Stone asks, "Does the defensive transition give Tech an advantage versus Penn State?"
0: That's a good question. That is a good um, question. I th- I think Tech will be vanilla to a certain extent in that opening game against Liberty. I certainly would be. Um, be extremely vanilla in the spring game yeah, yeah. you might be prepared for the most look spring games are never exciting right but this might be one of the most boring spring games you ever see from a schematic standpoint because tech is going to be sure. so vanilla because of that let's give some game.
1: context to that too by the way you, they open up with liberty and for those who don't remember penn state's week two mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: so it's not like this is a three or four weeks into the
0: year it generally takes three or four weeks before that film starts to show up and coaches really understand your weaknesses and your strengths and things yeah. like that. Like you see me, like Tech's 2017 offense was just so many freshmen at key positions, and they were a good offense for the first month of the season. And then after that, you kind of figured out that uh, yeah, they got a lot of weaknesses, because it, it had just piled up on film right. at that point. Um, easier to game plan for after a month. That won't necessarily be the case. So yeah, I agree with that. Especially like if you don't know exactly how you're going to use Tech's defensive ends. What if they move Amari Barno to defensive end? Is he going to be a short-side defensive end, a wide-side defensive end, a pass rush specialist? There's just so much you don't know because Justin Hamilton, while, yes, he does have a Virginia Tech background, he has come up in the Nick Saban system uh, under when he was at, under Romeo Cornell right. with the Cleveland Browns. Bill Tierlink has spent most of his career in the NFL. Uh, Justin Hamilton ran – a similar scheme to virginia tech when he was the defensive coordinator at uva wise but he had all other unique things in there too they got tracy he's
1: linebacker coach former head coach at
0: minnesota he's gonna have you know, right it's, it's, it's a, a, a long lot of defensive coordinator there, there's there's a lot of a lot of pots they can draw from i guess you know so uh so yeah I, I don't know what to expect and but that could be i i that that could that's intriguing it, it is it, 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 a, a, it absolutely is i I do think it gives Virginia Tech a certain advantage, and they have to take advantage of it. Because um, I, I do think they will definitely put some things out there that Penn State, it'll be impossible to, to foresee. Now, everybody wants Virginia Tech to open up more practices and be a little more open. This is not the year to do that with Penn State <laughs> on the schedule. Because you, then you just give away that <laughs> right that, that opportunity to, to, to have an advantage. Heading into week two of the season just based on so much unknown on the defensive side
2: of the ball.
1: Great question. Great one to lead things off. I
2: like that. Uh, Tom Lester, can Mitchell have a breakout season? And I'm assuming he's talking about James Mitchell. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Depends on your your definition of breakout. I mean, he had a good year this past year. Um, Could he be targeted more with limited options at outside receiver? It's very possible. I think Virginia Tech is going to be kind of a run-heavy team this year. That's that's my personal opinion. I think they're going to be be better at the inside running plays. I don't think they'll get worse at the outside running plays. Um, I think they're going to be a run-heavy team. It's and they will pass off the run, which I'm excited about because Fuente's philosophy is run to win right. and and pass to score. So, I think he's comfortable coaching. More comfortable coaching with a strong running game, which who wouldn't be, right? Yeah. Um, But if Virginia Tech is a good running team this year, they're going to win a lot of games. A whole lot of games. Um, So, I, I think it just seems to me that the pieces are there to have, to take a rather large step forward in the running game. And maybe that negates the... And experience you have at outside receiver and things like that to a certain extent. So a breakout season for James Mitchell in and, and a season that I think is going to be heavily focused towards the run right. might not necessarily be catching 50 passes with eight touchdowns or something like that.
1: Well, I think you also have to keep in mind this, you know, look at this year, you know, there were so many receivers to go around and we we, we had questions about or before the season getting Dalton Keene involved. And you said yeah. when you throw to Dalton Keene, right. you're not getting guys like Damon Hazelton, Trey, turn of the ball. The strength of your team, so, y-
0: which we thought was at the time. Yep.
1: yep. And and you look at the team and, you know, Keene had three touchdowns against Miami. And yeah. then he had a couple weeks where he hardly caught the ball. So I'll, I personally think he can have a big year catching the football. Yeah. But it's it might not show on the stat sheet like you're saying of eight touchdowns. It just it's There's it's. Nobody's a consistent week-in, week-out, 100-yard receiver and a touchdown for the right. most part in this offense because right. there's so many options. Well, the, And if you had one of those guys,
0: you really need two because if you have one who's yeah. that much better than everybody else,
1: yep. then he gets focused on it. Well, and that I, time, and right? that's why I think Gallo could be – I think Gallo more so – I mean, Mitchell's established, right? right. And he could have a breakthrough in terms of the Keen production, but right. I think Gallo and the word breakthrough – well, or break out. J- James, James Mitchell
0: went from zero catches as a, as a freshman to, I don't know, 20 to 30 as a sophomore. Sure. Eric Gallo is going to go from zero catches as a freshman to, I don't know how many as a sophomore. I don't know if he'll play traditional tight end, H-back, or what. But uh, he is a guy that's going to be more involved for sure. Um, so a year in the strength and conditioning program. He was already a decent blocker for a true freshman this past year. Um, but he'll take a step forward there, too. Yep. Uh, but, yeah. I think it's going to be a run-heavy team. So, to me, a breakout year for James Mitchell is not catching 45 to 60 passes. To me, a breakout year for James Mitchell is really upping his game as a blocker. That's where he can help this offense the most, in my opinion.
1: Another great question. Thank you. That was Tom, right? Yeah. Thanks, Tom.
2: Excuse me. Chris Scaniello. I hope I said that right. You probably did not. <laughs> you mentioned the spring game would be very vanilla, as uh-huh. it usually is. Yep. With, but with the defensive co- coaching changes, might we actually see a little bit more than vanilla defensively?
0: Uh, I Maybe. Well, you'll see more different things just because there will be things you haven't seen in the past because the scheme is going to be somewhat different. So you'll see some things out there that you don't recognize. doesn't mean you're seeing a wider variety of, th- of things, as compared to the past, it'll just be a little bit new. Things I'll be looking for is, is Virginia Tech playing boundary corner and field corner, or left corner and right corner. Is their free safety always lined up on the wide side of the field, or are they aligned right. to the run strength, passing strength of the defense? Same thing at defensive ends. Those are the things I'll be looking for. Um, and they, as far experience. as you know, what what they're not going to do is go out there with like a wide array of blitzes right. and different coverages and and you don't want to make it obvious. Oh, we're gonna. This is the coverage we prefer on third down. On third and eight, we always want to run this coverage and things like that. You don't want to make stuff like that obvious in the spring game. Like you, you want to go base as much as possible. So you're going to see some different things as far as alignments go, and and maybe how specific players are used. But you're not going to notice like exotic blitzes or a lot of mixing of coverages and zone blitzes and stunts and twists sure.
1: and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, another good question.
2: All right, we'll do one more again from Tom Mary Lester. Will we break some big punt returns and maybe get a touchdown return?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we're due for one. I think Tavion Robinson did a great job last year as a punt returner. Think about Tavion. He's got a a pretty strong lower body. He's shifty. Uh, He judges the ball well in the air. He's got natural playmaking ability. He's exactly like Eddie Royal without the speed. Yeah. Eddie Royal was a four between a four three and a four four. Tavian's more like a four seven guy. So the, the, there there were times this past year where I thought he was just about ready to break one, but he wasn't quite fast enough to make the last guy or two miss and it, it would go from like a sixty yard touchdown return to a twenty yard return. Sure. Well, um, if he can add a little bit of speed in the offseason, then yeah, I, I think that opportunity will present itself because as a natural return man, he's very good. If he can add just a little bit of speed, they, I uh, think very what's good.
1: What's the there. nickname? Uh, Sweet Feet Tay? Have they called him that before? Is that uh, – Oh, I don't know. Tavion? Oh, I don't know. Might have heard that from somewhere. Sure, yeah. I, anyways, he, he he's smooth. Oh, yeah, he's, yeah. yeah he
0: he he he's for sure. He's got good feet. Uh, you'll see guys get, get their hands on him and even square him up and, and he'll bounce off of him. So I think he's got good lower body strength. Yeah. Just if you can get a little more burst
1: then I think it can be pretty dynamic there. Totally agree. Great questions on Facebook and some great questions on um, on the message boards this morning. Thanks to everybody for doing that. We're just wrapping up here uh, with time and do want to just, again, I, I like giving an Olympic sports update towards the end of these podcasts. Do want to mention, uh, just before we went on the air today, uh, Virginia Tech has made a hire. Uh, the new volleyball coach, Marcy Byers, coming over after 12 seasons at Radford. She was a four-time Big South coach of the year uh, and she's the winningest coach in highlanders program history got the two ncaa tournaments and so that is the new hire for for
0: she she doesn't want to
1: you're right that's a good point she could (laughs) just
0: commute 20
1: minutes a day yep so uh congratulations uh to marcy byers new head coach of virginia tech volleyball uh here's what's coming up this weekend in tech athletics uh again women's basketball off to its best start in program history in terms of acc play five and three big game tonight at syracuse uh, that'll certainly be a big test for uh, Kenny Brooks and the Hokies. I could go for two wins in the Carrier Dome in one year. Yeah, you know, technically women's basketball last year, or was it, it might have been two years ago, last year, two years ago, they were the first basketball team in Virginia Tech history to ever win in the Carrier Dome. Yep. And then the men's got it done this year. So uh, that is a big one tonight at 8 p.m. I believe that's actually on the ACC Network. Uh, tomorrow, wrestling, Virginia Tech looks to bounce back after a tough loss against North Carolina at home uh, against UVA. There's a Commonwealth Clash point on the line, and I believe UVA has the lead right now in the Commonwealth uh, Cup standings. Most likely. Um, and then, let's see, a couple of, of course, men's basketball on Saturday, Number 5, number 6, Florida State. And uh, that will round things out. No, wrestling on uh on Sunday against Old Dominion. Women's basketball home against Miami. So it's a big weekend for women's basketball. I think Monday, I tell you what, if, if Virginia Tech's able to find a way to knock off Syracuse and Miami... Yeah, if they win those two games, it kind of seems like they're a lock. Yeah, I well, think... Unless they just
0: tanked it down the stretch. I
1: yeah. think my buddy uh, David Cunningham told me that right now there's one projection that has them, has them in the tournament as a seven seed right now, so again we'll take it yeah really strong start all right well that'll just about do it for us here on the tech sideline podcast again a great time uh, to become a member of techsideline.com great content up right now it is wednesday i'm sure it's going to be a fairly normal week in terms of content the rest of the way
0: yeah i've actually got to sit down and think about that i had it planned out through tuesday but from wednesday on i think one of the things i'll do is uh take a look at the roster construction this year and Like where, which class each player came from. Like, how many Frank Beamer recruits are still in the program? I can't imagine it's more than three or four or five or something like that. But uh, I think I think that's where I'll go maybe today with an article.
1: Great Great discussion today on the podcast. Again, from the questions to talking about student engagement and and sports and really football to basketball is a great discussion. And then talking about the Hokies on the hardwood. All right, that'll do it for today's edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast episode 113. Thanks so much to everybody for tuning in. We're back Monday normal time, 9.30. Hope you can join us uh, live on Facebook. And then next Wednesday, we will have Virginia Tech wrestling coach Tony Roby with us on the Tech Sideline Podcast. Again, looking forward to what's going to be a great week of podcasts next week a reminder if you're watching on youtube be sure to like and subscribe and don't forget to follow tech sideline on social media we're on twitter instagram and facebook all at techsideline.com Excuse me, all at Tech Sideline, our handle at Tech Sideline. All of our news and content, you can find it all on social media. All right, that'll do it for today's episode for the best producer in the land. Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes producing on the podcast set. Our managing editor, Chris Coleman. I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes, saying so long. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the episode 113 of the Tech Sideline Podcast brought to you by the Fisher Firm. Have a great week.